Hi friends, welcome back to The Next 23. This week, I have had a couple conversations with my siblings and they've been really, really, really good conversations all around the same sort of topic. And it's something I kind of want to talk about out loud here with you guys. And it's such an interesting and potentially sensitive and possibly volatile topic, if you will, depending on where you're coming from with it, depending on your viewpoint, depending on your past experiences and your baggage and your views, so many things. But it's something that I think we all experience and we all have a hard time discussing or talking about. And that topic is hard conversations. And what I mean by hard conversations in this context is how do you have a conversation with someone, whether it's a family member or a friend or a loved one or a spouse or a partner or a kid, how do you have a hard conversation with someone when you know that your viewpoints are polar opposites, but you're super curious about each other or about what's going on in the other's life. How do you have that conversation? So I want to have that conversation today. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the next 23. If you are new, this is where I share all of the adventures of navigating a new life as a single 40-something after 23 years of marriage. The good and the scary, the weird and the ridiculous. There is no plan. God knows there is no strategy or roadmap for this podcast or the next half of my life. I'm just diving in, breath held, fingers crossed, and no expectations. As Brene Brown said, courage is to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. These are my stories. So today I want to talk about hard conversations with people you love and how do you have those conversations because you're curious without sounding judgmental. To start off, I want to quote my all-time fave, Ted Lasso, by way of Walt Whitman, where they both said, be curious, not judgmental. So I think that is such an amazing, an amazing quote. It's something that I, I love. Trying to be non-judgmental has been a bedrock in my life for decades, if not my whole life. It's something that I think comes naturally. Well, let me take that back. I don't know if it's naturally, if it comes naturally to me, like genetically, or if it comes naturally to me because of my parents. And I, I want to, I'll start by saying from one of my earliest memories, like, I don't even know how old I was when I heard this story or learned it, or I don't know, just knew. So I grew up in South Carolina, born and raised, heart of the South, deep South, was raised in Columbia, South Carolina. So at the time when I was little, thought that was a major metropolitan booming city because it was the capital, but also spent a lot of my time in Aiken, South Carolina, where my one set of my grandparents lived, loved, loved, loved every minute that I got to spend with them. In the summer, my sister and I would go spend a week with them. My dad, my biological dad would take us 
to see them all the time on the weekends and just loved every second of it. And my mother, biological mother, she was born in Kings Mountain, grew up in Columbia. Uh, my stepdad was born in Kingston, New York, and moved down to Columbia for his residency when he was mm, grad school, just after grad school. I don't know how that works, but he's a psychologist, I think I've mentioned. And he moved down to Columbia, which is where he met my mother after my parents divorced. And so anyway, very eclectic group of parents that I have. And growing up, it was really interesting because with my biological parents being born and raised in the deep South, small town, and when, and my dad was born in, and raised in Aiken. When I mention Aiken, for any of you who are familiar with the South and familiar with Aiken, Aiken has two sides. One is it's known for its beautiful equestrian life. And I, I want to say big money, big equestrian, I don't know, pastures, farms, fields, whatever you want to call it. Very, very wealthy part of Aiken, South Carolina. That is not the side of Aiken, South Carolina that I know or that I grew up on. I actually didn't even know that there was that side of it until I was an adult. Didn't even know it. My grandparents lived in the other side of Aiken. So the poor side of Aiken, the trailer park side, the small house, the farms, the, you know, homes across from the the jails, bail bondsmen all up and down the street, that side of Aiken. And I had no idea. I literally had no idea. I'm not kidding you guys until I was in my early forties and my uncle passed away and my sister and I went to Aiken to help my dad with all of those arrangements for my uncle. I happened to notice for the first time driving near where my grandparents lived and where I went every summer that there were all these bail bondsmen signs everywhere. And I asked my dad, what in the world is that all about? And he happened to mention that, well, Granny and Grandpa lived across the street from the jail. Didn't you know that? And I was like, no, I had no idea, no clue. Because for me, a young girl growing up, going to visit her grandparents every summer, who loved her and her sister dearly and had just the most fun time spent with granny and grandpa, like so much fun and got to ride Justin the horse and got to be out in the farm and got to just do all the things that we thought were kind of awesome. We watched Hee Haw and Lawrence Welk and they had this huge satellite dish on the side yard, which at the time, you know, I thought was just awesome and amazing. So, so picture that side of, of my life. Okay. And then in Columbia with my mom and her parents, so my grand grandmommy and granddaddy, my mother's parents, so those grandparents, they, you know, probably were like upper middle class. So I thought at the time, and my grandfather was a draftsman at an architecture firm and he would take my sister and I to his office and set us up on top of this huge drafting table and we'd get to draw and color and he would parade us around his his office just beaming with pride and all the people at his work just thought we were the cutest little girls and we just felt 
so incredibly special and so incredibly loved. And it was, it was just, it was amazing. And, and it was just this perfect life. What I found out later, and I was, I was pretty young cause I kind of grew up knowing this, but that there was no, no judging or judgment or judgmentalness. I don't even know if that's the word in my family. And what I thought, well, I thought there was none. Um, I didn't realize that both sets of those grandparents were probably pretty racist at the time being born and raised in the deep South. And the ironic thing is my parents were born and raised in the deep South. But when my sister and I were born, when we were babies, both my parents told both sets of their parents, they said, do not ever say anything racist in front of the girls or we will not bring them around. You will not be able to have a relationship with them. You guys, that was, that was incredible because I don't know that my parents had been taught that. I I know they hadn't been taught that. I, you know, learned later in life that my grandparents were, were kind of racist. And I don't know how my parents ended up on the opposite side of that, but they did. And I'm so grateful for that. And then the other side of it is not a uh, racial judgment or racism per se, but a geographic judgment. Um, When my mom fell in love with my stepdad, who was from the North, oh, God forbid, a Northerner coming down, a Yankee. And my mom introduced this Yankee, New York Yankee, to the Southern family and kind of made it clear to her parents that she loved this man and they were going to accept him and embrace him. And to his credit, he he loved this woman and her two Southern daughters, these two baby girls, and all three of us were super Southern and he fell in love and embraced us. And my mom, it I mean, she was so young, but she was able to have those hard conversations with her parents and say, look, these people are important in my life. My girls, my new husband, they're super important in my life. And this is what I want for them. And so this is what I need you to respect. And this is what I expect from you to not be racist and not be judgmental or say anything negative about my Yankee husband. And to all the grandparents' credit, to my parents' credit, everyone, everyone did that for the sake of these two little girls. Everyone held back any deep-rooted beliefs, any strong, strong judgments that they had about another person. They kept it away from my sister and I. And so, so that's why I say, I don't know if it was, if I was born this way or if it was, I benefited from this amazing set of parents that I had that at such young ages had the foresight and the courage to have this hard conversations with their parents because they knew what was right. They knew what they wanted for their girls. And by God, they were going to, they were going to make it happen. They were going to make sure that their girls as best they could grew up in a world not surrounded by judgmental people or racism. And I have to say that they, they were very successful and I am so to this day appreciative of it. So fast forward 48 years 
and I'm having a conversation with my brother and sister, not about those specific things, but about the three of us. And so a little bit of backstory about my brother and sister and I, we are super, super close. Like I know I've talked about them in the past. I know I've definitely talked about my sister. We are all three very, very close. My sister and I are close in age. We're 21 months apart. Our little brother is nine and 10 years younger than us, but we're all super tight. We would do anything for each other. We would, I mean, and and when I say that, I mean, we would do anything for each other. Family is family. There's nothing we wouldn't do for each other. We are also all extremely very different, like very different from each other. My sister and her husband, her husband's a Southern Baptist pastor, and they are fully, fully um, immersed in their church and in their, their community. And that is their religious beliefs and their faith are paramount to everything in their life. And that is, that is what, what makes them unique. It's what makes them them. It makes them wonderful and loving people. And that is, that's, that's their life. My brother is a agnostic, maybe an atheist. We've had these conversations, but he does not believe the same things that my sister does. And so very polar opposite. He is, has always been one to sort of think on his own. He is very independent. He lives life on his own terms and the way he wants to do it. He knew at an early age that college right out of high school wasn't really his thing. So he waited 10 years to, till he was ready and then went to college and got his degree. And he's now working out on the West Coast um, in Portland and has this amazing data analytics computer job with numbers and math in the cannabis industry. And he is an incredibly knowledgeable person about all things cannabis. And the things he has taught my sister and I about that industry, about that world is, is amazing. And it, he's so, so smart. So think about, think about this. My sister, it, she still, she lives in South Carolina. My brother is in Portland, Oregon. So as polar opposite geographically as they are, that is how polar opposite they are. Personality wise, belief system, anything you can put in there, their polar opposites on. And then even though I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, basically you could probably put me back into Ohio in the Midwest as far as where I fit in the middle of those two. So my sister's super conservative. My brother's ultra liberal. I lean more towards the liberal side, but my faith is very much closer to my sister's side. Uh, I'm not a super regular Southern Baptist Christian as far as, you know, going to church and, and all of that. But my faith is very similar to my sister's and my belief systems. And I, I'm a big time feminist. I don't want to call my brother a feminist. He's a big time liberal. I'm liberal. Um, so anyway, just trying to paint the picture of our, our family here, right? So, so you can imagine that while we love each other, 
dearly and have been there for each other our entire lives through really, really hard times, through really, really great times, and we will always be there for each other as family. You can imagine, given our differences, that there probably are times when there are hard conversations that need to be had, that should be had, or that we even want to have because we're curious and we want to ask questions. And this past week, the questions came up of, well, how do we ask each other questions about each other's lives in those categories that are fundamentally opposite to our life without offending, without sounding judgmental, and without bringing up the defensiveness that very easily could show up in that situation. So it's gotten me thinking this week of how do you have those conversations? And I think, well, I know I do not have the answer. (laughs) I'm still struggling very much so with it. But I think the first thing that has to happen is we have to have the courage to ask the question equally matched with the tenderness to listen to the answers. And what I mean by that is we need to be brave and ask our people the questions that we're curious about, but then we need to have the intelligence and the tenderness to close our mouths and listen to their answers without trying to change their minds or change their opinions or change their beliefs. And so if we truly are curious and we're brave enough to ask a question that we're curious about, we have to be willing to listen to their answer and accept their answer and then pause for a minute and see if they're willing to hear our viewpoint if it's different from theirs. And if they are willing to hear it, we need to deliver our viewpoint, not in a manner that comes across as we're trying to change their mind, but we're just trying to share our beliefs and share our viewpoint without the undertones of trying to dominate or trying to change minds or trying to bring the other person onto our island and make them think the way we do or believe what we do or feel what we feel and and be be open and willing to just learn and i think that is a, is the secret that's the key to having a relationship with a person or people or a community that may be completely different from yourself but that is a person or people or a community that you really love and want to have a relationship with. And that is not trying to make them think like you or make them believe what you believe or make them feel how you feel, but rather truly try and understand what they believe and what they think and how they feel. And then be willing to share your truths in all of those categories if they want to know, if they genuinely are curious and want to know as well. So the other piece of it is you can't, you can't be sneaky about it, right? You can't pretend like you're curious about their 
thing just so that then they will in turn ask you about your thing and you get to tell them everything that you feel and know and think. That's not how it works. You ask the brave questions if you genuinely are curious and you listen to the answers without debate, without trying to change their minds, without trying to argue. And you listen with the mindset of trying to understand where they're coming from. Because you never know. You really never know. You might just learn something. And here, here's why, what I know about this for a fact, why you will learn something if you are able to ask the questions without judgment, with pure curiosity, and with a true, honest-to-God feeling of and desire of wanting to know the answer and to learn. Because I grew up I've never, so here's the thing. I've never smoked anything in my life, not a cigarette, not a vape, not a joint. I've never puffed on anything in my life, not once. And earlier on in high school, college, early 20s, the reason for that is I was a rule follower, still am, but big time rule follower. So, you know, at, at that point, cigarettes were by the time I was old enough to smoke cigarettes, they were kind of gross and kind of on their way out and messaging around cigarettes can kill you was, was out there strong enough that I didn't want to die. I was like, nope, not going to do it. So never really had that desire to smoke a cigarette. Vaping, marijuana, all of that. The, I didn't do any of that because it was against the law. It, and, and I'm a rule follower. So, I mean, you guys, I didn't drink till I, was, till I turned 21 not for any religious reason, but just because it was against the law. I went to University of Florida, biggest party school ever. And I didn't have a drink until my 21st birthday because it was against the law. So you can imagine that when my brother decided he wanted to spend his career, move out to the West Coast and start his career in the cannabis industry, you better believe I was like, what the actual hell? Now, granted, it was legal out there, so it was fine. And so the whole like, you know, rule follower in me had calmed down and and it was fine. But at that point I had kids and I had created this sort of thing in my head of like, okay, well, I want to be able to tell my kids that I've never, ever done drugs or smoked marijuana or smoked a cigarette. And so that became sort of this driving force for me and a reason to not ever do that. So when my brother went out there and started his career and has become very successful in it, and when I say successful, he, he's got a great job. He, he's doing really, really well. But he also, by success, I mean, he is super knowledgeable about the science, about everything, the benefits, the everything about the cannabis industry. Like you want to know something, he is your guy. Like he knows everything about it. He's so smart. Truly don't ask him questions unless you really want to get deep into the science of it. And you're okay hearing words that you don't understand and don't know the word, the meaning of. Um, He's also very open to you asking, what does that mean? Because he's used to it by now, but I digress. When he decided to go do that, I was like, okay, that that's a journey for him. How am I going to feel about that? And I didn't know at first because I was like, I, I don't, that world scares me a little bit. I didn't know anything about it. I, I only knew 
what I had learned from growing up living in and still living in the deep South and the whole don't do drugs culture and the gate, you know, it, cannabis is a gateway drug and like all the bad things. Those, that's all I'd ever heard. So my anxiety level about my baby brother going out into this world was super high. So, but he was also an adult, you know, he of course was going to do what he wanted to do. So when he did that, I was like, okay, I know I still don't want to engage in that. And and that's not for me, but I want to be curious and I want to know about what's going on with him. So I asked him questions and I learned so much about that industry and about what marijuana actually, the history of it and what it actually does and the different kinds and the, you know, all the, I I learned so much, you guys, I'm not going to say any of it here because I'm sure I'll mess it up royally and that would just be bad. Um, but I learned so, so much about it because I was able to be curious about my brother's passion and about his interests and about his, his career and about what he knows and what he's knowledgeable about and was able to ask him questions without being judgmental. Now, I'm sure in the beginning, my fear of the unknown probably brought out some judgmental tones and probably made me sound ignorant and super judgy when I didn't mean to be, but my, my fear of what I didn't know probably came out. He was super patient and allowed that to happen and allowed my questions, no matter what tone they came out in. And we were able to, you know, get to a point where I celebrate his career and I'm, he's got some big visions of potentially doing some things that kind of cross over into my world from a, a branding and marketing and podcast slash YouTube slash whatever world. So I get super excited about talking to him now about it. And I hype him up in his career, even though I don't really know much about his world still, but I am super supportive because I don't know. I no longer have that fear of the unknown about what he's doing because I asked all the questions and same thing happened in a much shorter time span when my son came out his to us his junior year of high school for about a week i had i'm not going to lie i had a lot of fears of what i didn't know about the lgbtq community i i thought i could be proud of being a supporter and you know very much a supporter not judgmental knew, had friends, really good friends, family members, my cousin who I adore, love her uncle, all these people who were part of that community. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm not judgmental. But when my son came out, there was a hot minute where my fear of not knowing what his life was going to be like through high school, through college, as an adult, as a gay man kind of took over. But instead of letting that take over fully, I did my research. I asked the questions to Google. I sat down with my son and asked him the questions that I wanted to know. And I, for those questions that I felt like weren't appropriate to ask him at the time, 
again, I Googled, I asked my cousin, I talked through with my good friends. I found the resources and asked the questions so that I could learn about the community that I was not familiar with, that I had some fear around only because of the unknown. And once I knew it, you guys, no more fear. As soon as that fear of the unknown went away, then the questions went away. Now, I still probably don't know a lot. And thankfully my, you know, my son's older and we talk about everything. So as, you know, as he is getting older, there's, it's more appropriate for me to ask him certain questions. And we talk about everything and the kind of the big joke in our family right now is between he and my daughter and I, like of the three of us, which one of us is going to go on our, the next first date with a guy. And, you know, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see who wins that bet. So what I want to say is, first of all, don't let the fear of what you don't know about someone else's life prevent you from being brave enough. If you're curious, genuinely curious about their life from asking them questions, but also try and check your fears so that those questions don't come out as judgmental or as um, abrasive or as defensive. And if someone comes to you with those questions about your life and they're coming from a different walk of life or a different situation, be compassionate in your answer. Don't instantly get defensive thinking they have another agenda. Now, if they ask a question and you go to answer and they don't let you answer and they start to argue with you, you know what? You don't have time in your life for that. So just stop and walk away. That is them being judgmental, not curious. But if someone is is coming to you genuinely curious about something that you are involved in in your life or that means a lot to you or about who you are and they're genuinely curious, acknowledge that they are brave enough to come to you and ask you that and then be brave enough to answer and tell your truth. And don't answer in a way that you think you they want to hear. Don't answer in a way that is not going to ruffle any feathers or that isn't going to upset them. Because that's another thing that based on mine and my sister, my brother's personalities, we all have very different personalities too. And that has been a little bit of a struggle throughout the years of sometimes questions get asked more abrasively. And so the answers come through either softer or more of a, a, a dodge, if you will, versus the true reality of the answer and how either one of us actually feels about it because we, A, either don't want to cause an argument, B, don't want to offend someone, or C, don't really have the words right then to to have that discussion because it's it's feeling more like a debate. And and I'm getting to the point in my life that I'm I'm seeing how different my brother and sister and I are. I'm loving our differences. I love how different we are. And I think we are old enough now. God, I hope we're old enough now. Jeez Louise, we better be old enough now that we can actually have these conversations out of pure curiosity and love and not judgment or defensiveness or with this need to change each other. And I know this is this has gone long, you guys. I'm seeing it now. And it, this is one of the longest podcasts. But this, I think, is just really important. So 
to land the plane here. I just hope that, in fact, I'm pretty sure that every single one of you out there has someone in your life that is opposite or different from you that you dearly love. And I hope that you can embrace the differences, ask the questions, be curious about those differences, and really listen with tenderness and love at the answers that you're getting back from the questions that you're asking. And be like my parents and protect those that you love from all the negativity and the outside judgments that the world can bring. And be brave and be tender at the same time. Love you guys. The Next 23 is produced in partnership with Taylor Street Designs. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit me at thenext23.com. Love you guys.